God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time that you've allowed us to come together in your presence, God. I thank you for the purpose that you've placed in each and every one of our lives, God. I thank you for the desire to fulfill that purpose that you've given us, God. I thank you for the strength that you've given us to move forward, God. For everything you've done for each and every one of us, God. I thank you for the courage to take that step out in faith, God. Wherever it seems scary, God, I pray for the courage and I thank you for that courage that you've given us to take that step. I thank you for the peace that you've placed in each and every one of our hearts, God. And I just thank you for being you, God. God, I just pray for this service, God, that you just have your way in this place. Just pray that you touch somebody, God. If it were just for one person, it was all worth it, God. And I thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many hungry for a word today? Uh, that, well, that sound is so like, how many hungry for a word today? Come on. Church. I got to pump you up, man. So uh, today we have one of our own, that we do it every Thursday. Yes. Um, also for, we have, we have Ignite this Saturday. And I know it's New York, but we, we need to, you know, this, that's kind of our DNA out there. Um, so if you see some of the flyers on Facebook and some of the videos, just, just post it and just announce because you never know how one person's life could be transformed by being exposed by Jesus Christ. Um, and I've heard tons and tons and tons of uh, testimonies of people that went to Ignite thinking it was a party and came out, you know, with mascara running down their cheeks. <laughs> that was the best party they went to, right? But um, without no further delay, let's, uh, let's put it together for Sarah as she brings the word of God to us today. What's up, everybody? Is everyone doing good tonight? Cool. We're gonna do a little sit-down action. I don't know if this is too tall right now. Yeah, hold on, give me a moment. So, the last time I spoke, or preached, taught, whatever, um, George was like, Pastor George was saying that, um, try to get into your comfort zone. And so I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I get into a comfort zone when I'm up here to kind of just get the nerves out, you know? And I'm like, how do I do this? And so I was thinking, what better person to have up here with me than my mom? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get out of this real easy and get my mom up here. So mom, do you mind joining me tonight? You're not? Oh, all right. Ha ha. So without further ado, we have my mom too with us tonight. Is this awkward? Should we, is this, did this go taller? No? All right. Okay, awesome. Wow, I am. Oh, we might need another mic though. We definitely need another mic. If, Mike, can you give me a mic? <laughs> So we decided to change it up a little bit. This is pretty cool. I've never done this before. So, um, hold on one second. 
just want to get my mom in on all of this. How's everyone doing tonight, though? Seriously. Good. Everyone's week been going good? Yeah? Is that a faith statement or that's a truth statement? <laughs> Either way, it doesn't really matter, right? Look at her. <laughs> okay. Mom? Comfort go. zone. I don't even have to preach. I'll just let my mom talk. <laughs> but I'm not letting her get off the hook. Um, Thanks, Mom. So when Sarah asked me to help her out, we both sort of said, you know what, let's, let's both pray separately and we'll come together and see what the Lord has. And we both sort of sensed the same thing that the Lord was saying to us, that he wants you guys, all of you guys, to know and, and I wish I could say I knew this as much as I should know it. I don't know it as much as I should. So as I'm sharing it with you, I'm saying, Lord, I need to know it even, even better. Um, but he wants you to know that he is, and this is so cliche. I don't want it to be cliche. I want you to open your hearts tonight and go, teach me, Lord. I want to go deeper because I want to go deeper. But God is good. That sounds cliche, that sounds simple, but you know what? If you sat there right now and go, yeah, I know that, you're exactly the person that needs to know it more. Once you think that you know something, you don't know nothing because God is so vast and he's so huge that we can never fully get to know his goodness, but he wants you to know it tonight more than you know it right now. When you leave here tonight, he wants you to, to know it, know it here, not just know it in your head, know it deeper in your heart about his goodness. And um, all in the entire Bible, God was, was wanting to reveal his true character and his true nature to mankind. And sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we think of a harsh God. We think of a God that was very, you know, smiting this one, kill, killing this one, throwing sickness on this one, very harsh. But in um, Exodus chapter 33, uh, Moses prays and he says, God, show me, please show me your glory. How many of you prayed that prayer? I've prayed that prayer so many times. Lord, show me your glory. And in Exodus, right after that, in Exodus 34, God um, God says, Moses, I'm going to let all my goodness, all of my goodness. Moses prays, Lord, show me your glory. And God says, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. See, God's glory is his goodness. His glory is his goodness. Whenever Jesus did a miracle, people's lives were restored or whatever. People glorified God. It brought God glory. God's glory is his goodness. So if you're asking God, show me your glory, he's saying, I want to show you my goodness. I want to show you how good I am. And um, in Exodus 34, when, when God says, I'm going to, um, you know, have all my goodness pass before you, in the message version, in Exodus 34, 6, so dark in here, guys. You make me feel old, and I'm going to put on these old, ridiculous glasses. They're actually my dad's glasses. And so like, And look ridiculous. So I want you to know I do not wear these. Okay, this is only because this is not because I can't see. It's just dark in here. All right, so they they help me like that. 
It's bad. Okay, so Exodus 34, 6 in the message, God reveals himself and he says, the Lord God of mercy and grace, endlessly patient, so much love, so deeply true, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Still, he doesn't ignore sin. So this was the way God wanted Moses and the children of Israel to know him, that he was this amazing God, a good God. And again, it's not saying that God um, ignores sin, but we know in the Old Testament, the way he dealt with sin was under the law. It was, it was you know, you got, you got dealt with. The only way to have sin forgiven was by blood. So it was through animal sacrifices. And we know in the New Testament, how, how our sins are forgiven is because of the blood of the lamb. Amen. So it's not that God ignores sin. It's just that God dealt with sin in the body of Jesus Christ. He became sin. We know that scripture so that we become the righteousness of God in Christ. But so that God can reveal to his people his goodness. Amen, sir. Um, I was just thinking about growing up and how God was really misrepresented. I don't know if anyone has dealt with this either, you know, and he's almost that he's like this mean God. And it's sometimes just looking back at the Old Testament and then looking at the New Testament being kind of confused because you see, um, you know, God consuming people with fire. And you're like, well, I thought you're good. It just doesn't really make sense. And in Luke, um, Luke 9, the disciples are with Jesus and they're going to Samaria. And what happens is they ask Jesus, basically, they're walking, and I guess um, the, Samar the Samaritans, that's how you say it, right? The Samaritans? And Jew the Jews, they didn't like each other. So Jesus was coming into Samaria, and they, the Samaritans didn't welcome him. So the disciples were saying, Lord, should we, should we you know, call down fire from heaven just like Elijah did? And Jesus rebukes them, and he says, you don't know what spirit, you're not uh, acting in the right spirit for the son of man's come to not to destroy uh, men, but to save them. So because whatever reason maybe that they didn't understand that Jesus and God, his nature was not to hurt people though, even though that happened in the old Testament, you know, and a lot of the times we see this and we're like, it's confusing almost. It can be really confusing to us. And we know this grace message. We know that, you know, God is good and that um, our sins are covered and all, the, all these things. But really what the definition of grace is, an expectation of good. So if grace is the expectation of good, then what would the law be? Expectation of? Okay, so what I'm trying to say here is that if you have an expectation of bad, you're almost acting under the, the law. So I thought about that for a second. I was like, okay, no, don't even act like that was just me because that was us, okay? <laughs> um, but I'm thinking to myself, all right, so when circumstances arise, where do my thoughts go immediately? Is it how is God going to show his goodness or is it doom? You know what I mean, though? Is that where my mind goes to? Or is it, God, how you're going to show yourself off in this situation? And that really is a good um, way to indicate where you're really at. Is, it, is grace really just what you're preaching, or is it what you're really living? You know? Um, Mom? 
<laughs> so good, Sarah. I'm like soaking it in. I'm like, that's so good. And that's so true. And I can think of so many times. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, Sarah asked me to, to start and I forgot about it, but now I'm thinking about yes. it. She asked me to embarrass her. Does everybody want to see me embarrass Sarah? It's terrible. I couldn't believe she asked me to say this about her. <laughs> but um, it sort of, it sort of illustrates a, sort of. a point, but it's pretty funny. So this is really to illustrate how Sarah had such a bad um, mentality of doom. I mean, she, she really, she went to the vast extreme of doom. And when she was about 10 or 11 years old, uh, I took her skiing. Okay, and I have been skiing since I was five years old. I, I, you know, skiing is not an issue. I can, I get to the mountain, I see this big mountain in front of me, and it's just like, no big deal. But that's because I've been doing it since I've been five years old. It doesn't scare me. But when a child that's never seen it before, they look at this big mountain, they get a little terrified. But in my mind, I was like, okay, you're with mom. It's going to be all good when we, you know, strap on skis and boots and poles and, you know, bundle her up. And she's, you know, she's young and she's excited. She's excited to go up to the top of the hill. And we get on the chairlift and we go up and the whole ride up the, the, the chairlift, she is in panic mode. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to be able to do this. Oh my God, I'm going to fall and break my neck. Mom, you know, she's freaking out. I mean, she is panic stricken. I'm like, Sarah, relax. How do I get off the chair? I can't even get off the chair. I'm going to, I'm going to fall and you know, the whole deal. And of course, as we're going off the chairlift, I don't know if anybody's ever been skiing here. Um, she falls, you know, right, right, right away. It's no, no big deal. It didn't, you know, wasn't a big deal, but in her mind it was, see, I told you I'm going to fall. You know, she basically spoke it into existence and it happened, right? So now, now that she fell, she hasn't even been down the mountain. She fell on the top of the mountain, on the chair, off of the chairlift. Now she's paralyzed with fear. I mean, the she fear has gone to this in my a, mind right now. a completely different level that I've never seen her in. I've never, I never saw you like that ever before, and I don't think I've ever seen you like that ever after. It's because I never went skiing again. <laughs> it could be. But she is, I mean... She's going, and I'm not kidding. She's going, oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Oh, my God, Jesus, help me, Lord, help me. Lord. I'm going, Sarah, I'm right here. Like, I got this, Sarah, I got you. It's, it's okay, and she is panicking. And my mother, who also had come skiing that day, she gets up to the top of the mountain and sees my, me and Sarah, and she, and she looks at Sarah panic-stricken, and she goes, you're on your own, Kath. And I'm like, thanks, Mom. And she skis down the mountain and leaves me with Sarah, pow, you know, totally paralyzed in fear and you know to make a, a long story short I I mean it was really difficult to get her to trust me to um, I had to sort of there's a way with new skiers and she was young she was little where you you sort of put them behind you she was holding onto my waist and she was just sort of skiing down the mountain sort of with me and I knew that there was no way she was going to get hurt if she just calmed down relaxed and and did it. But my point is that she went to the absolute extreme worst case scenario. She probably, I think she saw herself in a casket, like dead, you know, like she just <laughs> went to the worst case scenario, even though I was telling her, Sarah, I, I got this, you know, she knew I'd been skiing my whole life. She knew I was a good skier. She knew that, you know, I wasn't afraid at all. I had total confidence we were going to be fine, but she completely went to the wrong, you know, place in her mind. And, um, 
she didn't she doubted my goodness you know she doubted that she doubted my goodness and a lot of times that's what we do when we're in we find ourselves in situations or we've had some maybe past experiences that weren't good has anybody ever had a past experience that wasn't good i i've had we i mean we've all come on that's where we live we've had past experiences that weren't good things didn't go the way we wanted to them or they didn't go good and so as soon as we get into a bad experience or bad situation or circumstance in our life sometimes we tend in our thoughts to go to a very bad dark place and god is wanting to say to you today today just like sarah was saying grace is an expectation of good that's why the word of god can say in romans 5 rejoice in trip during tribulation rejoice you know we'll look at that yeah it's real funny like you know i'm in tribulation it's not funny no you can rejoice in tribulation you can rejoice in tribulation if you understand that grace is an expectation of good the only thing we should be challenged with is the goodness of god that should be our challenge god this situation stinks I don't like it. It's not, it's not really, I guess if you had to say, you know, would I choose to be in a trial or choose not to be in a trial? I, I'd, I'd probably choose not to. But no matter what, I know, God, you're going to turn it around for good. You are going to bring good at, out of it. Sarah, do you have anything to share there? Yeah, no, I just wanted to share the Hebrews 1-3 verse. I think you guys have it. Um, it says, he is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outrang of or radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. And, you know, just like what we're saying, and sometimes in situations, you have to go back to Jesus. You have to go back to, okay, God, what did Jesus do when he was on this earth? Did he see someone that was in need and ignore them? Or did he heal them? Did he save them? So what makes you think that he's just going to, like, see your need and pass by it almost? You know what I mean? Um, and I know that a lot of times what can happen is that we are dampered or, or our, our thoughts about God are questioned because bad things happen to us. And we're saying, well, why did this bad thing happen to us, God? Why did you, um, why did you, you know, I'm trying to say this the right way. Um, why did I have a miscarriage? Or, you know, why did my mom die? Not that my mom died, clearly not. But, you know, why did these things happen? And sometimes we want to say, well, like I was talking about the last time, sovereignty of God. God, it has to be you because if it happened, it's your will. God, I, I always say this because I always go back to this in my own minds. What's good if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's the enemy. And if you don't settle that, you will have an open door for Satan in your life because he's going to make you actually think that, yeah, God does mean things to you. But think about Jesus. What was Jesus full of? Mercy, love, grace. He was full of these things, so you have to remember that no matter what. Right. And John, um, John 17, 6, in the message Jesus is, is praying you know, to the Father, and he says, Father, I have spelled out your character in detail. I have spelled out your character in detail. I have shown my disciples 
your true nature. And that's what we always, and, and that's why the, the scripture in Hebrews is so powerful because Jesus is the express image of the Father. If you want to know what the Father is like, right. look at Jesus because Jesus spelled out his character. He didn't come to destroy men's life. He came to save men's life. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Acts 10.38 says um, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And, and let me just say something here. You are all... Um, you know, have the, have the Holy Spirit. You've been anointed with the Holy Spirit and power so that you can go about doing good and healing all those that are oppressed of the devil. See, the oppression was not from God. I, I mean, let's, let's, have you, and has anybody ever heard a statement like this? Um, you know, God took my, my, uh, my child, God took them. Has anybody ever heard anything like that? Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard that so many times. And I think sometimes, like Sarah was talking about, this, uh, this plague in the body of Christ where people just say, God is sovereign. Everybody, you know, God is sovereign, so it sort of answers everybody's questions. Well, God is sovereign. He can do what he wants. But if, if how can I trust God if I think he may kill my child? Is that, is that, does that make sense? I mean, just in the, in the natural, Sarah, how could you trust daddy if you think he's going to hurt you? You just can't. You can't. And, and in any society, any civilized society, a father who, who would punish their child with sickness or disease or do anything like that, they, they would be arrested. They would be arrested. So we have to answer some of these questions in our head and understand that God is good. And just like Sarah said in, in um, James 1, 7 or 17, it says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. It's, if it's not good, it's not from your Father. You know, like, like a miscarriage. I had, I had a friend that had a miscarriage and you know, she had every reasoned out every scenario in her mind why God caused her to have the miscarriage. And, you know, I think it, it comforted her to think like, well, you know, maybe the child was not going to, you know, have it was going to have birth defects, so God spared me or whatever it was. And you know what? Let's sometimes don't even bother with those whys. Sometimes we don't know why, but what we have to know is it wasn't the will of the Father. God didn't take your child. But what you need to do, see, if you believe God took your child, then the next time you get pregnant, how can you have faith that God's not going to take this one? Because you think God took your last one. You can't. So that's what I'm saying. You, can, you have to say in your mind, you know what, Lord? I don't know what happened but I know it wasn't you, but I am going to believe that when I get pregnant again or whatever the scenario is, I am going to fight the good fight of faith 
and I'm going to take your word, and I'm going to take the promises of God, and I'm going to put them in my heart because the promises of God, because of the grace of God and that expectation of good, the promises of God are yes, and so be it unto me. Can I give you one of the promises of God that I love? It basically encumbers everything you'll ever go through in life. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. This is old covenant, okay? He heals all of your diseases. He forgives all of your iniquities. And here's the part I love the most. He redeems your life from destruction. I'm sorry. God doesn't kill children. He doesn't put sickness on people to teach them things. That's not the goodness of our Father. Those are the things that we need to understand are of the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And those are the things that he's anointed you with the Holy Ghost and with power so that you can annihilate and destroy the works of the devil. Amen? Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to go back to that verse in James 1.17 where it says... Um, is it? Thank you. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And you skip down, it says, um, oh my gosh, I have the version that I, is not, guys, okay, okay. So every good and perfect gift um, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. That's the verse I remember. Um, and really what that means is that God's not schizophrenic. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't like one day he's up and one day he's down. You know, he's consistent. You know, regardless of what your earthly father might have been, maybe one day he was so in love, with you, in love with you and then the next day he's slapping you and hitting you and hurting you. That's not God. That's not our father. He's consistent. He's consistently good. And that's why we can expect that all the time. And um, I think that that has, that's what's really made people question who God is. Because when we have... Um, an earthly father that kind of messes our view up of God or of a father, that's when we don't know who our father is. And I just had a point that I was going to say. Just slipped my mind. What is up with that? Um, Can we take it, Sarah? Take it, Mom, real quick. It will come back to me. I know it will. <laughs> um, you know, just, you know, we have to remember we're born again. Okay, that means we've been refathered. Okay, and, and you're, even though your earthly father wasn't perfect, and, and, you know, I don't think anybody's earthly father is perfect. Even if he was a great, great dad, no matter how good he was, he can't compare to the goodness of God. Okay, so even if he was good, that's great. But if he wasn't good, that's okay. You know, and a lot of times we think, you know, let's just say um, I, have, I have a very close friend who... Uh, grew up where her father sexually molested her for years, for, for like, you know, 12 years of her life until she was old enough, you know, to move out. But, see, there it goes, my, something slipped my, slipped my, slipped my mind, <laughs> sorry, you had to say that. Um, she, number one, she had to realize, she had to come to terms with, God didn't put her in that situation. God didn't say, hey, Susie, I think I'm going to put you in this situation here. No, you know, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world because of sin. 
whoever your parents were, good, bad, whatever, our, our, our responsibility is to honor them, but um, they may have been the people, the vessels that you came through. I'm, yes, that's that's what, that was were, it. That yeah. was the point. Those are the vessels that, that you know, you came through, but they're not who you're from. Because when you're born again, you're refathered. Okay, so you need to take all those past experiences and say, oh, those are just the, the that was just the person. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, your, your blood is your blood. That's, they're, it's good, you know, and we need to all be working on our relationships with our family. But I'm, listen, if you were in an abusive situation, it certainly doesn't mean my friend moved out. As soon as she was old enough, I'm out of there. Nothing wrong with that. She can still honor her father. You know what a, a really good uh, word or uh, definition of honoring? Making the person look good. She went out in life and became successful, had good relationships. Guess what? She honored her father. She ended up forgiving her father. Her father ended up getting miraculously healed of cancer, mouth cancer that was completely destroying his mouth, completely healed, and then went home to be with the Lord. So God restored the whole thing. But my point is that um, that's just the that doesn't affect the rest of her life. She's not in counseling for the rest of her life because she had an abusive situation. No, she's born again. She's been refathered. And her father, now the example of her father is Jesus Christ who spelled out the father's character in detail. So she can go to that father and say, go to in the book and say, How, what is he like? And see, my gosh, he's good. He's patient. He's loving. He's kind. He's kind. He's good. He's gentle. He's patient with me. He's forgiving. He's generous. He's, he's, he can do anything. Anything you need him to do, he can do. Keep on going. Okay, so um, in saying all that, that we've been sharing about, uh, a situation where this can be very uh, similar to things that we go through is in uh, Mark chapter 4 when the disciples... Uh, get a word from God, and the, and they're told to get in the boat, and we're going over to the other side. That was the promise of God. That was the word from God. And they, we all know what happens. They get in the boat. Jesus is asleep, and they are, you know, suddenly a storm comes, the waves come, and they start to panic. They start to completely panic. And what happens sometimes when we're in a storm, okay? See, we can all say, God is good. He's awesome. When everything in our life is going okay, but when we're in a storm, and, and let me say this, the goal of Christianity, I, used to, I think there was a part of me that actually thought that the goal of this whole Christian walk was to live trial free. That's not happening. Listen, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Whether you are a Christian or you're not a Christian, tribulation's coming. But thank God, then Jesus says, but be of good cheer because I've overcome. So tribulations don't have to debilitate us or, 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 or stop us. You know, tribulations can, can become avenues where we see the glory of God or we see the goodness of God. Um, so your goal in Christianity should not be to live a trial-free life. <laughs> Trials are going to come. And... The problem is that when we don't know who we are, we don't know our father, we don't know his character, and we don't spend time with him and spend time in the word and understand what's ours, what's available, what the promises are, when the trials come, we crumble. 
right? That's what happened to the disciples. The, the disciples, the trials came and they crumbled. Now, if you read Matthew 1, 2, and 3 before they get to Matthew 4 with this situation, the disciples had seen Jesus do so many miracles, so many healings, lepers cleansed, demons cast out, all kinds of amazing miracles, and yet here they are in a boat with a little storm, and they completely crumble, and they're going, you know, Lord, we're going to perish. You know, there was in their scripture on fear that you wanted to share in Romans. Yes, we did. Ash, you got something in Romans there? I think it's Romans chapter 5. No, nope, not that one. Uh, Romans chapter 8, I'm sorry. No? No? I know I have it. See, I need the glasses. Yes, about being, oh, if I didn't put this in there, it's not going to be good. Yes, um, Romans 8.15 and the amp Amplified. For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. Okay? So whenever you're fearing, not God. Not God. God didn't give you a spirit that put you in bondage to fear, being a slave to fear. But he gave you a spirit. Uh-oh. Where is it? But you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. We have help. And God wants you to know he's good. He's good no matter what you're facing tonight. He wants to show you that he's a good father and that he's good. He wants to turn whatever situation you are in. Listen, it may be a situation. I am in a situation right now um, where it's not has nothing to do with God. God didn't do it to me. I did it to me. Okay? I messed up, and I did it to me, and I'm facing the consequences of some poor decisions, okay? But even in that, God can still reveal his goodness, and I'm excited because I know he's going to. You know why? Because I've I recognized, Lord, those are bad decisions, not doing that again, okay? But now, Lord, I know that even in this, you can demonstrate your goodness. You can do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, what she was talking about, how we operate almost as if we are still slaves to fear. And we operate in this past life, but we've been renewed by, and we've been born again. And, you know, whether you've been in, you know, an abusive relationship in the past or whatever the case may be, you know, God, and you have a new opportunity to basically get it right. You know, God's giving you a new relationship to make it right. But what you're doing is you're, you're still expecting, you're still expecting what happened in the past. You're still expecting abuse. You're still expecting pain and hurt. So when you go into this new relationship, you're basically saying, I'm waiting for you to prove to me that you're going to do what everyone else did to me. And that's what happens when we don't know the goodness of our father. You know, when we don't know how good he, all right, Ashley's doing the hallelujahs back there. Um, 
But that's what happens when we don't know how good our father is that God's giving you this new opportunity and to challenge his goodness, but you're operating in the past and what had happened in the past. Forget it, man. Forget it. It really doesn't matter anymore. Right. You know, and that's why he's saying we've been adopted into this brand new family, this brand new, you know, which what if you want to call it a relationship, this husband, you know, wife relationship that we have new. So just let go of the past, like challenge God's goodness and say, you know what, this time around, I'm going to get it right. I'm not going to I'm not going to be abused anymore. I'm not going to be hurt anymore. I'm going to be free. Amen. And that's that's what happens when we're in the. When all of a sudden the old feelings come back, you know, those old, those old lies that are attached to the lie is attached some feelings of despair and hopelessness, you know, when those situations come back or, um, or something starts going in a, in a direction that it used to go to or what, whatever, we panic. We panic and we go back to the old way. And that's where we need to recognize, no, wait a minute, I've been refathered. I have a father that is good. I don't have to respond like this. I know, you know, any relationship that God's bringing in my life has been brought so that it, it can be good if it's, if it's of God, you know. <laughs> we got to definitely pray and say, Lord, is this relationship from you, you know. And God will make it clear if your heart is right. You know, it's was, it was funny. My son today, he's now he's looking for a car. This one gets a car. Everybody wants a car now. <laughs> but he just totaled his his truck. And you want to hear, this is the, this is the grace of God. And, and again, the, the grace of God, the way I know it now is much different than I was, um, for the last 20 years living. And unfortunately my children have been a, 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 a byproduct of not much grace. So we're all, we're all learning together and God <laughs> is restoring, right, Sarah? Yeah, mom. I'm here, right? So, yeah. So, um, so my son, my, my husband uh, had this uh, 2003 expedition that was his baby. I'm talking, this car was in mint condition. It had 200,000 miles on it, but my husband, it, it, would, it would be like another car with maybe 75. Like my husband kept that engine meticulously, everything. There was nothing that needed to be done. Everything worked. The inside of that car looked like a brand new car. It was beautiful. And when my son got his license, my husband gave the car, not gave the car, he did not know my husband liked to dangle that carrot over my son, it's not your car, you know, that's your dad's, you keep it good, and you know, all that stuff. So my son has been driving it for the last year and a half or so, and maybe two and a half weeks ago, my husband said, I feel of the Lord to give Robert, um, Sarah's brother, the title, and say, Robert, this is your car now. And we knew that it it would really be a blessing to my son. My son would really be touched by it. And sure enough, you know, it, my son was, was floored and he knew that was God. And that was, it was, it was, a, uh, it was, it was good for dad to do that. Well, <laughs> two, we two weeks later, two weeks <laughs> later and he totaled it. Yeah. And, and you know what? My son, my son, although he knows that mom and dad are really walking this grace thing out, he went back to, Dad is going to freak out. I can't even come home. I am dead. And he called me up and, um, you know, he was crying because he was like, I, I can't even, you know, I'm dead. And 
the challenge was, was for, for my husband, who's not here right now, so I could talk about him. <laughs> you know, for about literally about two minutes, he, my husband went into the old, the old mentality. Thank God my son wasn't on the phone, but my husband, I was like, Rob, that's never worked before. Let's not go the there The only again. woman Let's... in the world that can calm that man down. <laughs> the only woman. And, and you know what? He instantly, he said, no, that's right. And he did. And he, I think my son, to this, to this, I think my son's, he's freaking out because m- my husband had much mercy and much grace and said to him, you know what? I, I certainly know you didn't do it on purpose, Robert. And, and, you know, I mean, honestly, it was a very, it was a good lesson for my son because my son was very proud, thinking he was the best driver. He's 19 years old. He's the best driver that's ever lived. <laughs> the best. I never get in accidents. He says, nah, I'll never get in an accident, you know. And, and not that God did not put him in this accident. No, his probably texting or something put him in the accident. But it was, yeah, he, right. totaled, he totaled the truck, airbags deployed, the whole, the whole deal. But he was fine. The person in the other car was fine. Not much damage on the other car. Our car was totaled. But it was a really great opportunity for uh, us to do things differently and realize, you know what? We're going to expect good. And I think the good that's come out of it is that my son is seeing the grace of God. You know, I think my son is really. And so and my point is that today he says, I want a new car. And he's looking at, at this car. And I said, you know what, Robert? I said, this is, this is uh, why we have, we have Jesus. Because you can just ask God and you can say, Lord, let me know if I should get this car. Because the car looks great on the outside. But you may not, but it may not run great. And what if, you know, two months down the road, the car falls apart, you know? And he goes, could you come with me, Ma, and you, and you pray? I said, no. I said, no, God wants you to ask him, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, it was funny. So my point is that in sometimes in crunch situations, we panic and we go back to our old way. And that's what the disciples did. They went into panic mode. They saw the miracles of Jesus. They forgot who they were with, the Son of God. They forgot that he was in the boat with them. He wasn't somewhere else. He was right there with them. And they also, I think it's in in Mark 3, Jesus had commissioned them and given them power over, over, you you know, demons and sickness and all this stuff. So they had power. Jesus had already given power. They forgot their power. They forgot their authority. And that's what happens to us. We completely forget that we're whose we are, what we have available to us. We forget the promises, and we go back to our old way of thinking. And God is saying, if you just remember that I'm good, that cliche that everybody has said a billion times, God is good all the time, God is good all the time, and it means nothing. But it does mean something. It means that our father is a good father. He's good. He only wants good gifts, right? What's the scripture that you were saying yeah, today on the way? Go, ahead. Go for it. On the way? The one on the way? Or if you being evil. Yeah, the, the verse, I forget exactly. I think it's Luke 11, 11. It's It's in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> I think that's it. Um, saying that. You being evil, you know, if your, your son or daughter asks you for bread, you wouldn't give them a stone. So why do you think the I forget I forget the whole verse, but what does it say? If exactly? you being evil, give your children good gifts. Right. And that word evil there is not 
meaning, you know, evil. You know, we think of evil and <laughs> evil, you know. It really just means bad. If you're not right. the best parents, if you being a bad right. parent, you still want to give your kid good gifts. Right. How much more right. That's it. your heavenly father? And another, another place Jesus says, um, if your son asks for bread, are you going to give him a stone? Right. You know, if he asks for a fish, are you going to give him a serpent? No. Right. Okay. Um, I could go somewhere else. I'm not too Yeah, much. but I was just thinking about going out to eat with, you know, my parents or my dad. There ain't no way that I would ever go there expecting him to be like, you got this kid? You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to ask me to flip the bill. You know, he's always going to take care of it. And I can expect that. I can expect to go to the, go out to eat with my parents and they're going to pay. I never, I, you know, I never have to, you know, dish out money. I mean, unless I'm feeling, you know, compelled to, but... I can always expect my dad to provide for me, to be there for me when I need him. And we're, we're going to end with this verse because it's amazing. In Mark 10, 16, you guys don't have it. Jesus was talking about the children and how we need to be childlike. And that's who's going to get into the kingdom of heaven, those that are childlike. And he says, and he took them, the children up one by one in his arms and fervently invoked a blessing, placing his hands upon them. So that's what like the Lord is doing to us. That's what he does to us. He wraps his arms around us and places a blessing on our head. Like that's what he's done for us. That is incredible. So why do we think that he's placing all these other bad things upon us. That's not God. God is placing blessing, and he already has placed blessing on your head and in your life. I thought you said we were ending with that. We are ending with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I just have, when Sarah read that scripture, I think it was last night, I just yeah. started, I envisioned that. And again, you know, Jesus was talking about coming and, and receiving the kingdom like a child. You know, we need to humble our, ourselves and become like children again, you know. But just have that vision that Jesus just wants to wrap his arms around you and just bless you because he loves you. It really all boils down to love. In Ephesians uh, 3.19, you know, to put it up or anything, I think it's 3.19 where it says um, Paul's prayer is that you would be rooted and grounded in love and you would understand the depth length, breadth, and height, and know the love of God. See, some of us think that knowing the love of God is a feeling. A feeling and an experience are different. They're different. Forget feelings. Feelings are a lot of times liars. No, they are. If I said, if I went up to I don't want to say anything. If I went up to Sarah and said, Sarah, you know, so-and-so died. It was a very close person to her. Even if I was lying about it, she would instantly feel sorrow, even though what I told her wasn't true. Feelings don't dictate truth. They don't dictate truth. So feelings and experience are two different things. God wants you to know the love of Christ. Yes, through experience, not necessarily feelings. I can't explain that, but there's a knowing, you know, that comes through knowing him, knowing his word, and knowing him. I can't explain it, but it's not about a feeling. I enjoy coming into the presence of God because, and I'm even tonight, I'm sitting there, I feel, 
just feel the presence of God. And I felt like the Lord say, and what if you don't feel it? It's still there. It's still real. God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whether I feel him or not, feelings, I can't walk by feelings. I have to walk by faith. Listen, we access this grace, this expectation of good is accessed through faith. We can't get it without faith. Okay? So you're not going to be able to have this good, this goodness unless you have faith that God wants to give it to you, that it's yours. So again, just to sum up what we shared, God wants you to know that he is good. I hope you guys got that message. I don't know, Mom, were we? I think they, I think they, I think they, I hope you received. 